Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Who's from the haters? Point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs his process. Every franchise and needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your hair, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab, step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if them bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause them bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to him, B. What's going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid, and I am your host, Austin Krell, along with my co-host, Chris Dibler. Dive, what's up? Victory! Victory, baby! First first game recap, and I got a W. Let's you're, go. You're one and out. It's a, it's a good it's a, it's a good start. Uh, let's keep the, let's keep the good vibes going. Let's get a streak going. You're the good luck charm of the podcast. Um, the Sixers win tonight, one hundred six to one hundred two in the first game post All Star break um, against Miami in Philadelphia. It was Dwayne Wade's last game in Philadelphia. Thank God, because Lord knows he's he's uh, he's been killer couple uh, over the course of his career in the city. Can I, can, of I just, can I just say I'm not over him throwing Justin Anderson off the court. You know, I'm, I still have that very vividly in my memory. Yeah, but it's like it's like if LeBron like elbows Marcus Morris in the face, and I'm a Celtics fan, I don't really care. It's Marcus Morris. Yeah, but it's Justin Anderson. Yeah, but it's like they're the same. They're the, same, they're the glue guys. Fine, I'll allow it. There you go. Dwayne no, Wade is amazing. There's, I, I'm not. No, of I'm course not. he is. Of course he is. But I, you know. He's killed them so many times in the past that it's good to just finally like get get rid of them onto a new era. But yeah. on to more important things, the Sixers in their first game without Joel Embiid due to a uh, sort of a, of an injury that caught us all off guard. He was it was revealed yesterday that he would miss at least a week with knee tendonitis in his left knee, same knee that he tore his meniscus in his rookie year. So obviously we're concerned about that. We uh, uh, we got to stay, I guess, composed until next week. At this time, when we know more, they said that the MRIs came back negative, and Brett Brown said it was not a big deal. But in my opinion, that was sort of a damage control kind of thing, where you go out and you sort of calm everybody down because you know that that's obviously the the about the, the, the worst thing that Sixers fans can hear is that he's gonna be he's gonna miss at least a week with knee tendonitis. Um, and so, it was good to see them sort of. Come back and uh, you know respond to that with with a dub. I thought they were going to blow them out. I thought, I thought they were playing like a superior team in that first quarter, and then the Heat sort of woke up and they came back and they sort of showed that no, you're not going to just roll over us without Embiid. You're gonna you're, you're gonna have to put up a good fight, and they would and both teams battled back and forth. Yeah, it, it was a little sloppy game to start, but let's be honest, this was all about Bobby. Um, that first five and a half minutes, 11.7 boards, one block in his first eight minutes. And not 
you know, don't forget he showed excellent post defense and was challenging shots all around the rim. Um, Jimmy and Tobias really could not hit anything in that first quarter. Uh, one for seven from the field. Um, it really didn't really start going until the second half of that first quarter when um, TJ really came off the bench and little foreshadowing there. Um, but through an alley-oop to buckets, a couple heady plays on defense. Um, so, uh, yeah, Bobby really got us started in that first quarter. Yeah, I, you know, it was sort of like that quintessential um, TJ kind of game where he comes off the bench and they're kind of dead. There's no pulse, and he comes out of nowhere and he's, you know, he he's doing the things that um, that 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 TJ does. He he's, you know, he had four points, two steals, two assists, two rebounds. I think in in the fourth quarter. And he's just that spark plug, and he wakes you up when, when you're dead. He, he's those paddles that they use in the ER, and they shock you back to life. That's, what, that's exactly what TJ does. Um, but, you know, they, they, I, I tried to explain this to my roommate about Boban. You know, Boban is not the sexy kind of player, even though he's a gorgeous-looking man, obviously. But, you know, he, he isn't this sexy kind of, like, a finesse player where he's going to O and I you with 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 crazy uh, plays and and uh, you know sexy dunks and and jump shots. He's just gonna come in there. He's gonna give you a good fifteen minutes, although obviously extended minutes now with Embiid out for a little while. He's gonna come in there. He's gonna get defensive rebound. He's gonna keep you off the offensive glass. He's going to just dunk the ball. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you know he's you're gonna catch it high and finish high. Um, and he just, I think he's a pretty fundamentally sound player. Obviously he's, he's, he's enormous. He's awkward and he isn't that athletic. He has huge feet. So naturally he's not very balanced on his feet. He gets knocked over pretty easily. Um, and he's slow. He's very slow. There's, there's no, there's no denying that. Um, but the impact that he has in the game is all he has to do is just lift his arms up. If you, if you put some icy hot in his armpits, He's going to stop anybody because he's going to have his arms up all night long. And, you know, you saw him late in that, later in that, in that second half, D-Wade's trying to get to the basket and he's missing layups. And it's not that D-Wade's missing. It's that Boban is there to perturb him. Yeah. Like, can we talk about rim protection? Because holy yes. shit, um, there, there was zero rim protection when, when Boban was out of that off the court there. Um, you know, is there a more important position – in all sports than a rim protector. You, you think about goaltending, you think about quarterbacks. Whew. I mean, I mean, the Heat were getting whatever they wanted at the rim, and I'm sorry, I'm a huge Jonah Bolda fan, but he just didn't have it tonight. Um, yeah. They, they ran small ball five a lot, uh, Brett Brown did, and it, it just didn't work. Um, you just, you know, just Bolden was just always just a half second too slow, it seemed like. Yeah, you would... You do see that the the, the, the in the NBA, the the the, uh, the name of the game is finding and abusing mismatch opportunities, and so guys like Jonah Bolden, who are not necessarily the most physical, I, I would say, um, you know, they're sort of erratic. Like he's very sort of wild and spastic in the way he plays the game. Um, he's not going to be able to play bully ball with 
the bigger, you know, with the more aggressive, more physical players that the Heat have. And he is going to foul trying to do it a lot. And so those are the kind of matchups where he's where he isn't as effective. Whereas maybe an older team that you know is more of a perimeter oriented team, he could probably be okay with. He, he he could probably survive. But tonight you have a bunch of guards who are attacking their basket for Miami, and he had he plays fourteen minutes. He has four rebounds, no points, um, one turnover, one foul. But you can just see that he had that he virtual and he was a he was a minus eleven. In his in his time, so you can see that when he steps on the court, it's it's like a, it's like a, a rainbow to the basket for everybody, really and is. and you put Bobine back in there, and then suddenly it, it's it, it's like clogging the drain. Right. I mean, it, it, look, you look at the bench. I think the biggest storyline of this game tonight was the bench. The bench had zero production. It really didn't happen until uh, TJ came in in the fourth quarter and kind of changed the pace a little bit. Um, but I, I just keep going back to Boban. I mean, um, if you look at the, the, especially the fourth quarter when Miami was going on the run, um, TJ comes in, Boban comes back, and that really just completely changed the pace. And I also look at uh, Jimmy Butler's ability to get to the line tonight. Um, he didn't really have a great game, but no. it was slow down the pace, you know, keep – you know, stop the bleeding by slowing down the game and getting to the line. Um, look at the you look at the second quarter. The Sixers had 17 free throws in the second quarter alone. That's pretty incredible. Um, so, what are your thoughts on um, just overall uh, the bench? Because I thought that was just they, they they need to get better production out of that. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at that while you were talking. Uh, I was sort of, I was doing my best to multitask, uh, listening and 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 looking at the the box score, and I think the most disturbing part is that, and don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Elton Brand. He did an unbelievable job this trade deadline, but even with the new the new pieces, they still had a total of 12 bench points. Miami had a total of uh, 32 bench points. So if you if you have even a bench that can just hold its own, and that, and then on top of that, if you view the plus minus, Ennis is a plus five, McConnell's a plus eight, but then everyone else is a minus thirty total. So you're really at a minus seventeen. So the bench is literally. It, it's like the, the whole thing, the whole game collapses as soon as you put the uh, as soon as you put the bench in, and if the bench is even just able to just keep it even, the Sixers demolish the Heat. But as soon as they, as soon as you put the second unit in, it's a whole different story. I did the math. Uh, we're almost near the halfway point through the fourth quarter, and T.J. McConnell had played just uh, five minutes at the time. He had fifty-four percent of the team's bench points. Within <laughs> that counts for Bolden, Simmons, Scott, oh, all those guys played at least 15 minutes at the time. That just shows you how you know. You know, this is not a knock. I mean, this is kind of what we expected. You know, that the the Sixers have a long way to go in terms of chemistry, trying to fit all these new guys in. But boy, they got a, they got some work to do. I thought that yeah, you're at, I, I completely agree with you. Um, but in their defense. 
it is the the first game after a break that followed a revamp or a re uh, I guess a, I guess a, a remodeling of the roster. You know, so they have a couple shootarounds, a couple practices, and games to get this thing going. And I think by April, March, April, I think they're going to have a pretty good sense of where they fit. They're going to be a little more comfortable. Um, and it's going to be a, a really fun run, I think. I think that at the very least, I think that when this when this thing is all said and done and when they're cohesive, they're, they're ready to they're they're ready to go. Um, I think that at the very least, the defense on the bench will not collapse. It won't spontaneously combust. The offense won't always be there. But then at that point, anyway, you can keep Ben on the floor at all times. You can keep one of – or at le- you, can, you can keep at least one of Ben, Joel, Jimmy, and, and Tobias on the court at all times. So I do think that defensively, at the very least, you've upgraded the bench enough where it can sustain. Yeah, this was such a great TJ game. Um, this is just kind of the game that TJ is born to play. You know, and in, in no respect am I like suggesting TJ to play major minutes against Boston in the playoffs. But in a game where, you know, the Sixers are lacking chemistry, there's no flow in the offense, um, you put in TJ and he does what he does. And he makes, you know, he kind of settles down the offense. He kind of gets the ball moving. He makes some plays on defense that spark the fast break. And that's what he does, and that's what he did tonight. And um, just kudos to TJ. Um, I, I think over the past month or so, I kind of started leaning towards you know much, much less TJ, giving more point guard minutes to uh, Jimmy Butler, which we can talk about. We saw a lot of that in the fourth quarter tonight, um, which was interesting to watch. Um, but, yeah, TJ had a great game. I mean, he was the guy in that fourth quarter that – Kind of stop the bleeding for the Sixers, baby. It was fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I tend to think that the right move, and keep in mind, I said earlier, and I don't, I don't mean to break up my thoughts. It sort sort of popped in my mind. I want to give some context. Um, keep in mind that in the fourth quarter of not only regular season but especially the playoffs. You would then have to re-strategize everything you've done all game to exploit any matchup you possibly can because you have to figure out a way to come out on top. And I think, I think, Brett Brown might have a solution in running Jimmy at the point guard position and letting Ben just fly around on, at the four and bury himself in that low post. You saw you saw him make a beautiful move move where he came left and then he. And then he went back and spun back to to, to the the right side and finished off the glass or finished a floater, uh-huh. whatever it was in the post. And so I, I think that he's learning the game in the post. He's getting stronger, getting more confident, and I think you can experiment late in the season, maybe in a playoff game, putting him at the four and beat at the five, and then Jimmy at the one. Um, Tobias at the three and Redick at the two. You, you you can try that because I think having the ball in Jimmy's hands, someone who can shoot, someone who can make plays, but most importantly, someone who is confident in their abilities to shoot at the line. 
And so he's going to make the right plays, and he's not going to rush things. He's not going to, you know, make errors and make mistakes out of out of out of uh, you know, out of a fear of going to the free throw line. I think that it could drastically alter the outcome of some of these games. I would even venture to think that maybe we win that series last year against Boston if you have Jimmy Butler on the team and you have him playing point guard. Those games were decided by a couple of plays down the stretch. I mean, game two, game three, and game five, the Sixers had to lead late in those fourth quarters. It was all about executing and making plays. And I think Jimmy Jimmy solves an issue at the point guard spot. He really does. And when you have a guy that handles the ball, you can drive into the lane, and the defense has to respect when it's such a huge deal. Or they have to kind of, you know, fight over the screen and stay on, Jimmy. I mean, how great were those lobs to late, – late lobs to Boban in uh, the paint? It looks like watching a pickup game where when you have that, like, huge guy – on your team, and you literally just drive in the lane and just throw it up, and you know that the big guy's going to catch, oh, it and it's going to result it, in a free throw or you know some sort of you know positive play. It was amazing. It's fantastic. It's, it's, so it's fantastic. Big. He's so big. I just you gotta love Bobby. You gotta love him. he. He's seven foot three. I mean, who the fuck is seven foot three? He's it's ridiculous. I gotta. I love him. I love him. And uh, what was that? I love him. I love him. No. Yeah. Um. You know. What he it's like a, it's like two K, you suck it you know you, you you collapse that defense and then you just hit the the uh, double triangle button and you lob it up and it's an alley oop. I mean every it works every single time. Like, and I think I think the most remarkable thing about him is that he's so high Q. How many of these big men in this league that are so good, Joel too, they get the ball and they don't you know they they he automatically just. Just, just catches it high and finishes high. Right. So many of these guys, they catch it high, they bring it back down, and then they get trapped, and then they turn it over, and then they, you know, then it's it's whatever. He just catches it high, turns, swings, swings his hip around, and finishes high. It, it, it's like it's it's it's, a, it's no wonder he's so efficient. His hands are always by the basket, always. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love it. I mean, it's like it's like when you were a kid, you had a basketball hoop in your uh, in your room. And you just you know you have the you, have, you know you take the mini ball and you just start you laying it up and in every time it's it's the easiest thing in the world. Uh huh. Um, can, can we talk about that the the the, the Sixers crowd got a free frosty with 11 minutes remaining in the third quarter? Is that the is that the That's fastest just, frosty of all time? I I've seen a couple of them where it's like oh that was easy like it was it was like it was immediate. Speaking of, it was none other than Hassan Whiteside. And by the way. For as much money as they're paying him, he sucks. I mean, he is – I mean, he does not do shit. He played 20 minutes tonight, and he picks and chooses his games. Some games he'll have 20 rebounds and 21 points. Next game he'll have zero, uh, four points and six, six rebounds. I mean, I've never seen somebody who was potential to be an all-star, but is yet so inconsistent. And you think that without Embiid, he would want to feast on the Sixers tonight. And he was as ineffective as ever. I mean, Boban Marjanovic makes, what, $2 million a year or something like that. Uh-huh. He made him look like a little bitch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Obviously, you know, as a Sixers fan and an Embiid fan, you, <laughs> you kind of grew up to not like Hassan Whiteside, you know. Isn't that, isn't that where the barbecue chicken came from? That, you know, Hassan Whiteside, his beef with Hassan Whiteside? Pretty sure. 
he has so many beefs, it's hard to keep track of. Right. Oh, but Bobon nominated I'm, him. I mean, it was... I would love to see a Bobon troll. Like, he posts on Instagram and just trolls the hell out of the heat. Like, that, would, that would be... That would break the internet. The internet would combust on the spot. If you just, like... You just like like not in my house, and he like roasts them. Oh, it would be so outstanding. <laughs> yeah, th- this game was really, um, you know, I, NBA is kind of like this anyway. But uh, it was a game of runs. Holy shit! I mean, the the Heat went on a fourteen to five run in the second quarter. Then at the end of the second quarter, the Sixers finished it twenty one to thirteen. The Heat went on a nineteen four run uh, to start the third quarter. And then at the end of the third quarter, the Sixers went on a twelve to nothing run. Insane. Um, I mean, it's, I know that's kind of how the mold of the NBA is these days. But I mean, that's that that really kind of emotionally. That's how it felt too. I mean, there was times during this game where you really kind of were waiting for the Sixers um, to get dig themselves out of a hole, and luckily it was TJ tonight. And uh, JJ had a couple big threes there in the fourth quarter. Um, but if I had to pick a player of the game, it'd have to be Boban. Um, oh, absolutely! I really want, I really absolutely. wanted to get that twenty-point spot. I was really upset <laughs> when he missed that last free throw at the end there. Um, what did he finish with? Nineteen points, I believe. Yeah, tw- might have, might have had nineteen. Oh. And, and a little, little love for uh, Ben Simmons for finishing. He had a great second half. Um, his defensive wise, he was active and all over the place. Um, let's look. Uh, ben Simmons had ten points and two boards and a block in the second in the third quarter, um, and several huge plays in the post in the fourth. Um, and that's just you know Ben gets a lot of slack for not you know getting it done in in the, when it matters, and he certainly did tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Did it occur to you that like Redick? actually had his first bad game since the trade. I mean, he was... I think he shot 3 of 10 from 3. And he made them when they counted. But it was still... It was just sort of like a... I wonder if he's just having a bad game. Or I wonder if, like, maybe he's just like, you know, they haven't played in a while. Or or what. But it was sort of like, like, you know, you wonder, is everything okay with, with, with him? I mean, I think everything's fine. Just a bad game, but like he was red, red, red hot in those first uh, two games back. I mean, if if I were to tell you that you had no Joel Embiid, that halfway through the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick, and Tobias Harris shot two of thirteen from three halfway through the fourth quarter, do you think you win that game? No, yeah, definitely. Not. That was a solid win for for the good guys tonight. Um, I don't even know if they deserve to win it, but you know it's the playoff push. You take anything you get. Yeah, it's shock you at all that in they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from three in that in those first like three and a half quarters, and then all of a sudden they made like three or four in a row out of nowhere. It's, it's kind of like on par for being a Sixers fan, uh, but you knew when the Sixers had that run in the fourth quarter. Did you see that uh, Dion Waiters? had a, a three. I think it was like a minute left and like it rimmed out. You know, the, that's when, that's when I yes, knew the game was over. Like that's like, that's a hundred percent a shot. Typically as a Sixers fan, you expect to go in. 
It was like a deep three. It might have been a step back. I'm not sure, but it was a high. It was a it was a heavy it was a heavily contested three from like deep, and it was like and normally you're like oh it's one minute left, Sixers are up by a couple points, so naturally this is gonna be like it's not even gonna hit, it's not even gonna be net. It's gonna just like go right through. Like it's gonna be ones ones where it, the net's still the rim doesn't move and it just goes right yeah. through. You know, and and it and usually I have this gut feeling after a shot either goes in or doesn't go in in the last minute, whether the game's going to be a win or a lose. And when he missed that shot that popped out, right, I got to rebound, I was like, this game's over. This one's decided. It's, it, it's, it's, you, you can put yeah, it in the books. I have the same kind of gut feelings as well. That's how I watched the game. And you, you, saw, you saw the release, and you saw the high arch, and you're like, oh, that's it. Like, <laughs> that's like a typical anti-sixer yeah, shot. Yeah, that yeah, is. yeah. Uh, except it wasn't Aaron Baines, and it wasn't Marcus Smart. And it wasn't Tatum or Al Horford. Fuck those guys. Fuck them. Fuck them. Oh, I hate them. Um, thank God they lost tonight. Um, yeah, look at that. I was, I was so happy when I saw that Kyrie floater just, just brick. And I was like, ah, fuck you. Yes. Um, and then you see Marcus Morris like crying to the referee, like as if you don't get every other call, you prick. Uh-huh. Um, speaking, of, speaking of bricks, what did you think of Tobias Harris tonight? He had- he had some pretty no- good numbers tonight. I didn't necessarily think he had a good game, and he had, he had a couple bricks there as well. He had a he had a he had two great games start the Sixers tenure. Boston game was a clunker. Had a great Knicks game, and then he had like a mediocre game for the first three quarters, and then was like a superstar in the fourth quarter. I I don't know. It's, it's just sort of like is this the kind of like is this the guy that we're that we that we signed up for? Is this is this why he's bounced around between the team? He comes up big. He comes up small in big moments. I mean, you know, I think it's too early to pass judgment on him and like write him off. And I'm obviously not going to do that. I still, you know, have tremendous confidence and excited about him. But it is concerning to me that against elite defenses and against like big opponents, that he misses shots. Like, yes, the Nuggets are a big opponent, but I don't think that they're that good of a team to be honest. And yeah, and the Lakers, yeah. Lakers have LeBron. It's a big game, but. The defense is atrocious. Boston has a legitimate defense, and he couldn't hit anything. Knicks are right. disgusting, and, and he hit everything. And then tonight, Miami Heat's a legitimate defense, and he and he struggled for a little while. Yeah, he had, he had a big three there with like a few minutes left. He had a couple of them right around. But that I'm looking at the box score. And that that plus nineteen is the best plus minus on the team. It, that that does not pass the eye test for me. Uh, that's not how I felt, yeah. you know, as the game progressed, that this was like, you know, that kind of a, a box score for Tobias. Um, so it's a kind of an interesting little box score there. Um, I, if I had to make like a top three list, he wouldn't be on it for me. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, does it shock you that after all of these years and all the points that he's scored, Dwayne Wade continues to get people on the same moves? Over oh, right. and over and over again. The step back jumper from the wing is always cash. The little, uh, you know, he makes some dribble move and then uses the shoulder fake. They bite it every time, and I don't get it. When are you? Is it? Is it that? Is it that like that good? Is it that? Is, does he sell it that well? I can tell you he's gonna do it before I, before he even does it. I mean, I'm I'm ready for it, and if I'm ready for it, they should be ready for it. But I mean, for 13 whatever years, 16 years, whatever it's been. He continues to beat people on the same exact tricks. 
You know who also did that a lot? Hell. I got I got two players for you that did that, made a living for that with that move, you know, later in their careers was one, Sam Cassell, and two, Chauncey Phillips. Those guys just killed teams with like pump fakes and getting to the free throw line. Do you remember those guys? I was too young for that. Well, I remember Chauncey, but I was too young for, for Cassell. Like I was alive for it. I just I, I wasn't a basketball guy back then. Um okay. but was Cassell ever an all star? I believe you I off the top of my head, I think he made a one or two. Yeah, um, yeah see Dwayne Wade's a Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer. Like oh, oh yeah. Like you know, he's I mean he's I mean literally he has pat he has moves that are patented. These are like these aren't moves that moves that like like perennial all stars pulling out once in a while. Like he does the same stuff every single game. And, it, uh-huh. and to me, it's like, are you watching film? Are you are you not preparing for this guy? Because year after year after year, it's the same shoulder fake, and then he creates a contact and jumps into you and gets called, and then you get called for the foul. And it's the same jumper from the wings every single time. Yeah, these heady players, man. There's something to be said about, you know, um, like you said, Dwayne Wade is a Hall of Famer first ballot. Um, I always go back to, what was that, like 2006 in the finals when he just – Oh, that was the best? Completely off. One of the best finals performances I've ever seen in my lifetime. My uh, my, my buddy's from Dallas, and yeah. he's just like the most ridiculous Dallas homer. Like, he's convinced that like Kevin Durant and Giannis are both going to team up and go to like the Mavericks for some reason. Okay. And I love to bring it up every single time I can about how the Mavericks were up 2-0 and lost to, to like, a guy who was like a, in the second year in the league. Right. Um, so yeah, there's something to be said about Dwayne Wade. He's just a very intelligent player and he, he, he's that type of guard that can change it up, keep, keep players on their back of the back of their feet and kind of keep them guessing. Kind of like, like the Jamie Moyer of, of basketball players, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a really weird comparison. <laughs> I, I like it. We'll, 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 we'll rock with it. We'll rock with it. Um, does it concern you that they still seem to like play absolutely no interior defense? It's very concerning. Um, they're going to have to play a lot better to beat Portland, that's for sure. Um, it's, I mean, that, there was just the, the lane was wide open tonight. Um, you can't you can't have the same expectation for Bobby for every game like this. This was the Bobby game, I think. Um, how many minutes did Bobby play tonight? He played like twenty seven. 27 minutes. I wonder if he was icing those knees after the game. I'm sure he was. I mean, it's a stark reminder that Amir Johnson was playing just, you know, a few weeks ago, which is pretty nice. It's like keep the big picture here. How many uh, How many players think that have to go through and lose in order for Brett to be like, Amir, you're in rotation? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Don't even bring up that name. I'm, I'm done with the mirror. You think he retires out this year? I, I gotta think he retires. I mean, no one's gonna pay him to play for them. He has to. Yeah. Like, there's there's nothing left there. There is nothing left there. And it's a shame because he had he had a couple games in a row early in the year where he had a couple of emphatic dunks. I was like, maybe Ramir, maybe Amir's reborn. And then he just died. He flatlined. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's ridiculous. Um, approaching the end point for this episode. So let me ask you this. When do you think Embiid returns? Oh, for the Thunder game, for sure. You think There's so? no fucking way that he's missing that Thunder game. I think it's next Thursday. Yeah. A week from today. It's, uh, what, 
nationally televised game, yeah, yep. he'll be back. <laughs> no, no doubt. In my I'll put it this way: if he's not back, I will be very concerned. Yeah, yeah. If I he's mean, not back, I will be very concerned because if he's not back for that game, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'll be back for the for the Golden State game. What was your thoughts on the uh, the you know, resting him for the sore knee? Were you upset that he played in the All Star game? Yes, I was. I think. I mean, people say like these are like this is a huge career accomplishment. Yada yada yada. Now the first one is the right. the the fifth the, the, the tenth one is the fifteenth one is the second one is not you know it's just like it's like okay I'm doing my job I'm going to work every day I'm doing my job well I'm getting recognized for that thanks I'll you know he he can he can go to Charlotte and I have no problem with it but there is no and to be honest it wasn't like he was one of, like they weren't even featuring him I mean he it was not the kind of game where he's gonna win MVP. I mean, it's a bunch, it's a lot of guys shooting on the perimeter, handling the ball and running up down the court. Uh-huh. And that isn't, you know, you don't want him just going back and forth and pivoting and jogging and, you know, getting in these close quarter situations where he can knock knees to somebody. He should never have been in that game. And, you know, he, he could have been there. He could have, you know, been, been shooting it up, whatever. And shooting it up does not mean shoot up like heroin. I mean, like shoot up, like talk to everybody, you know, do what he does. Um, for you kids out there. Um, but there is no excuse for him to be playing in that game. And I know that he's a 24-year-old man. He's a multimillionaire. And he's the face of the franchise. He is also illegally employed by the by a, a, by a billion-dollar franchise. You have, as a GM and as a coach and as an owner, you have to take command and sit him down and say, we are not permitting you to play in the All-Star game. You may go. And you may observe, you may sit there and, and have fun, but you cannot play in the game. And legally, he really does not have much say in that because he is contractually obligated to do what the Sixers want him to do. You don't believe that, though, do you? What? It's a, it's a player-driven league, man. I don't believe that at all. I, I agree with you. I agree it's player-driven, but I don't think the player is going to like like throw a hissy fit over saying, like, oh, they, they're looking after my well-being. Right. Yeah, at the very, at the very least, talk to his agent, talk to yeah. his agent, talk to his his parents, and make them con- and, and ask them to convince him not not to play. Because if he doesn't want to listen to the coach or, or the GM or the owner, he'll probably listen to his mother. He'll probably listen to his siblings. He'll probably listen to his to his girlfriend. He'll probably listen to his agent, someone who has his best interest at heart. But I know it's his agent. Not so much his agent, but someone who is, you know, it isn't like him playing well or not depends on the agents, you know, is, is like a, is part of like the agent's future. You know, like him playing is part of Rep Brown's future because if he can't play and they suck, Rep Brown, he might lose his job, right? And so there's a lot more incentive for Rep Brown to ask him to sit. But the GM, I mean, the, you know, the, the agent, it's a different story. His mother and father want, just want to see their son be happy and be healthy. So, I I, I don't think he should have played. And if they knew about it, which they said they did, there is no way he should have been playing. There is no way. You should have sent a tra- you should have sent a trainer or an assistant coach down there with him. Make sure he didn't play. Yeah, I mean, I just my personal opinion. I think the Sixers are just 
you know, it's it's. I think all of this is just so much smaller than we all think it is. And I just think the Sixers sent Joel to the All-Star game happy for him and told him to have a great time. Um, do you think Tim Duncan in the early to mid-2000s, you know, if he had the same injury, do you think he would have played in the All-Star game? Hell no. So, yeah, it's a little interesting because Joel's not – normally like that he he does think big picture you you, you know no he Joel. doesn't no he doesn't at all he goes he, he, he jumped at a knicks game last week as the shit team he jumped into the first row of the stands chasing a loose ball in a game they were up by 10 in and nearly took off two people's heads and nearly hurt himself he has no regard for the future I and mean, he and he's a high iq kid smart guy smart guy but he thinks on a game-to-game basis. He doesn't think about six games from now, ten games from now, a month from now. He thinks about the game at hand. And the, that game against the Knicks last week was a perfect reminder that he needs to be more careful with his body. He needs, yeah. you know, you have to take calculated risk. You have to say, I'm not going to go risk getting hurt by jumping into the crowd at a Knicks game when we have Oklahoma City coming up and we still have to play you know, other contenders in the East so vying for uh, for playoff positioning, you have to be smarter than that, and it, you know, and, uh, don't, and uh, don't tell me it's an, it's an in the moment thing. You have to understand. I had to tone it down and take care of myself so that way I can give this team my all at game in, game out, and not sitting on the bench with a with, with a with a with a broken foot because I was because I did something stupid. Right, and I'm not disagreeing with you there. I definitely think it's significantly down than what it was in the past this season. Um, and I don't, I don't see Brett Brown as the guy to step up and say, Hey, um, our medical staff is saying that it'd be best if you sit down. I just don't see that happening. It's gotta happen. It's if, 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 if it doesn't happen, then a tells me two it tells me two things. A that maybe Brett Brown and Embiid aren't as close as we think they are, because if, if, if Embiid is so, you know, respects Brett Brown, like, like we say he does, if, if 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 Joel Embiid you know loves him as 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 we say he does, he shouldn't have any discomfort going up to him and saying, "Look, I love you, my star player. I need you to sit down for a game and not play the All Star game." And he, you know, and if, and if he wants to cry about it and, and throw a tantrum, then let him. As a father figure, you have to just hold your ground and say, "This is for the best for this team." This is for the. This is this is what's best for you. What's best for us. What's best for the city. So it's best for our future as a as as a as a family. And if he doesn't understand that, tough shit. Tough shit. It's a player driven league, but he's not LeBron James yet. All right, man. <laughs> I I disagree, but yeah. Well, what, what's your opinion? My opinion is they they. They let kind of Joel do what – I mean, we know there's um, – remember, I always keep going back to that Houston game when Joel was hurt. And right. Was, was that Joel not telling the trainers or medical staff? Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily remember. We're, we're never going to know that. Right. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, think, I think all of this is a lot smaller than we, than we think it is. And it's just as simple as – um, they're proud of Joel. They want him to have a great time, you know, um, enjoy it. 
and it w- it's there was not many checks on his knee at the time. Um, and I think he was medically cleared in a game or two before um, the All Star break. I could be wrong there. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I don't think there was any kind of acknowledgement that he was injured during that All Star game. I don't. I don't remember seeing any reports about that. Um, so for me, it was a surprise. But just my whole opinion on um, the whole All-Star game thing, I, I think it's just a lot smaller than we think it is. I, I think whether he was hiding information or not, I think the, the important thing was for Joel just to simply have a good time. And they'll figure it out when it's over. But you can have a good time and still not play in the game. I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I... I think they want the Sixers brand to be represented more so than anything. Does that make sense? It so, does, but you also have Ben Simmons there who's an all-star. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but let's, let's be real here. Joel Embiid is the ticket here. He so, is. He, I think we're not going to agree on this. <laughs> And, yeah, it, and, I mean, and that's perfectly okay. We have very vari- we have varying perspectives. Right. I, this goes, I, goes all the way back to like how you know they kind of are allowing Ben to come into his own confidence with his jump shot. They're not on him all the time about you know shooting at least three to four jump shots per quarter. They're kind of just allowing it to naturally evolve, um, similar to like Markel Fultz. No one was really on him to get on that court. They kind of allowed him to take his time, do what he needs to do, and when he's ready, he's ready. And that's kind of my my stance on kind of all of this related to Embiid is that it's just um, they kind of just allow these players to kind of dictate what they do. Um, I mean, don't get me started on the Sixers medical staff, which is, you know, the worst in maybe all of sports. Um, yeah, they're a joke. That history, um, but I just think that's how they run things, for good or for worse, for better or for worse. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's a fair point, but I also think that if, if, if you have no control over your player, and you let him do whatever he wants, then maybe you're not the right coach for the, you're not the right guy for the job as head coach. And I, I love Brett Brown to death. I love him. I vouch for him over and over again. But if you don't have the cojones to stand up to him and say, you know, this is this is not a punishment. This is for the best interest of the team. And maybe we need to find somebody who can say that. Because we can't they, – they cannot as a franchise and as a team afford this year in and year out when it gets tight for him to have to miss games because he can't sit out for a couple games. There has to be a level of maturity there on his part and a level of, of, of control on the coach's part. I mean, we can't let him run everything. It's a players-driven league, but there is an extent to where you have to say, you're not bigger than this. Right. I think that's probably the biggest complaint of Brett Brown, <laughs> other than uh, not being able to get over the hurdle with Toronto and Boston. But I think that's kind of you know, in general, um, what people typically complain about 
is <laughs> like a lot of people want Brett Brown to sit Ben Simmons down, get in his face, and you know do this and this and this. He, that you're not going to get that from Brett Brown. That's just not the coach he is. Um, I, I and I don't and this is all just me guessing. Um, but and I don't see that happening behind the scenes either. Maybe they they watch the film and discuss it. But if you want a confrontational coach, Brett isn't it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I I think what we have to do. I think the only thing we can do is monitor the situation going forward and see when he comes back, what the you know the, what the next story is, and then at that point reflect and say, you know, is it is it you know maybe maybe when all said and done this won't be a big deal. This isn't a, this is an irrelevant conversation because everything's fine. Maybe this is a very important conversation because everything isn't fine. But as of right now, I think the only thing we can do is sort of discuss it as, as of what it is now, which is a big unknown, and just keep it in mind and reflect on it when, when, when we have a res- resolution or an answer. You know what else we can reflect on? What? Winners of four of the last five games. Let's go. Portland, New Orleans next. Um, if we can get you know two wins there, get you all back by the Thunder game in a week, we're, we're ready to roll. I don't, I'm not scared by by New Orleans at all. I mean, I think that, I think that they're essentially like they're, they're pretty much on fire as it is, and, you know, and and I, I they don't scare me at all. They he doesn't play. The Sixers win that game easy. Um, Portland's going to be a challenge on Saturday. You know, you do have the home court advantage. You do have a new shooter and, and, um, you know, it's the Portland defense is not nothing special, but same time, you know, you have it would be outstanding if they could win these three games without Embiid because it would make their lives so much easier when he does come back, and it would build a sense of confidence in them. For if he were to have to set out a couple games here and there, you'd say, okay, well we can do this. You know, this is not you know we we we've won before without him, and um, you know, they, they got to win two at least because. You know, you have to position yourself as best as possible in in when, when things are bad. Yeah, and I did see. I think I did see a report that um, Anthony Davis will be back uh, tomorrow night. Um, so, but he, but he, but but he comes and goes as he pleases now. It's true, and that's why they fired Del Demps is because he was he had no control over AD. He was leaving during the game. Right. Yeah. No, there's there's no way Joel sits for that Oklahoma City game. I would be shocked. That's a TNT game. There's no way. There's That's no a rivalry way. game. That's a rivalry game. Absolutely. So and and his best friend Nerlens, you know, like there's no way he misses that game. Uh, you're. I, I think you're right, but again, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Last question before I let you go. Um, did you tweet out any Bobby want a peanut at 7:56 p.m.? <laughs> so I have this like image. What of- the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I have this image of um, that's one of my favorite movies of um, of Boban and he's like going anybody want a peanut like I, I just that's that's him right oh my Pride, gosh I, I and I also have an image of uh, Happy Gilmore of the guy that goes uh, he wears the shirt 
uh, that says guns don't kill people. Or no, I don't. What something like um, guns don't kill people. I kill people. Don't kill people. <laughs> He's got the, that guy is dead. That guy is dead now. That guy's dead now. Oh, rest in peace. I think he was. I, you know, what I think he was. I think he was Jaws in James Bond. Was he? Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think you're right. Oh man, but yeah, yeah. What, what, what a goofy guy. I just, I just love him to death. He is the goofiest, and he's the favorite. You have to resign him. You have to resign him as your backup five. Oh, absolutely. Even if he isn't like the primary backup, you still have to like bring him back as the third five. Oh my gosh, I, I just can't wait to see him in the playoffs. I mean, when you talk about how important the addition of Tobias Harris is, I'm not saying is equal, but it's pretty fucking close of how important that back of five spot is. Um, and oh, gosh, I just can't wait to see Boban, you know, just bully Al Horford in the paint or, um, you know, bully Marcus All. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm ready. It's, it's going to be great when, um, when, Someone like uh, like Jimmy goes and like chokes out Marcus Morris in Game Three, and there's like uh-huh. a massive fight on the court. Like when they had that fight against the Clippers earlier in the year, uh-huh. it's gonna be outstanding when uh-huh. when uh, when when they have like a, a a little brawl and Jimmy goes and like wraps his entire hand around Marcus Morris's neck and they start fighting. <laughs> I would take I would take Jimmy in that fight. 11 days out of seven. Oh, easily. Easily. I have this I have this image in my head of, like, the Sixers are in the playoffs, and Joel Embiid's on the bench. He's healthy, but he's on the bench. And then Boban comes in, and just the crowd is just kind of electric. And, you know, Boban's doing his thing, and the Sixers go on a run. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he's just and such a crazy favorite. If you do it at home... I can guarantee you it's a game they're gonna win because the whole fan base is gonna is gonna it's gonna be like a shitstorm of unbelievably loud cheers if Jimmy Butler kills Marcus Morris. It's gonna be outstanding. It's gonna be the least illegal death of all time, or the least illegal murder of all time. I thought I thought the Wells Fargo Center was a little little down tonight. It seemed quiet to me. What about you? Well, they, they, all, they all have their, their – they're, they're all thinking about some uh, right fielder, free agent. <laughs> Everyone's checking their Twitter. Refresh, refresh. I think his name is Bruce. Bruce Harper? Oh, Bright? Bruce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bruce, Bryce Bruce? Who knows? <laughs> all right, Dabes. I will see – I will. I guess we'll talk again Saturday after the uh, the Portland game. If, all right. If, if, if you're – Busy doing husband things on Saturday afternoon. I totally understand. I will do it myself. Um, but if if not, I will see you then. Do they win Saturday? You bet. You bet, man. One and zero. Let's go. Go Sixers. What What's the score going to be? Uh, Portland. Um, he- Sixers win one twenty five. Portland one ten. I think. I think. I'm not. What? Really, yep. I'm not concerned about Portland. I think this is a game that. Um, Jimmy's going to show up. Jimmy's All right. Full point guard duties, and I think um, we're finally going to see Jimmy break out a little bit. I think it's going to be a one oh four, a one fourteen to one ten. So we're pretty close there. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you, you said 125. All right. Less than 10 points. True. True. All right, all right, dad. I will catch. I, I still can't break that habit. I still can't break that habit. I, we, Sixers fans will be back again on Saturday. Dimes, it was a pleasure. And uh, Sixers win it tonight, 106 to 102. Back on more Feed to Embiid Saturday afternoon. See you guys. Go Sixers. And one last thing before I get out of here, too. Do you like shotgunning beer? You want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra has a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra spelled with a K. For 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid in its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2019. Once again, we will see you on Saturday with more Sixers basketball.